Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very, very special, glutted, fat, loaded, bloated episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. Uh, and that's just me, Quinns. Oh. It's not me. It's because we're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, bo- thirteen board games. Because <gasps> I've got a secret bonus board game. Yeah. Or because you've also got a secret. bonus No, board thirteen because you've got a secret bonus board game. But this is alarming. Mm. Thirteen is not a lucky number, Tom. Oh, By the that's way, a cursed number. I'm Quentin Smith. Hi, Quentin Smith. You're Who Tom, am I? You're Tom Brewster. Tom Brewster. And on this podcast, we're going to be talking about board games. Board games. But more of them than usual. So many board games. In this episode. Why is that, Quins? You, wh- why, <laughs> why are you setting me up for a question that only you can answer? Why is that, Tom? Because, oh, yeah, okay. Because I've been at Essen, Spiel Essen, 2023, in the wonderful town of Essen, Germany. It's, it's not that wonderful a town. It's mostly just, it's just a convention hall, really. Mm. Um, it's and the largest board game convention in the world, though, right? It's huge. It's terrifying. It's six halls of board games with two extra halls just for fun. <laughs> I like the entrance ones. There was like a weird little bonus novelty zone. I spent some time in the Asmodee Business Lounge. Felt like I definitely wasn't allowed in there. I'm sorry, what's a novelty zone? The novelty zone was where it was, that was what it was called in German. You know how German like smashes oh, two different words yeah, yeah, together yeah. to make one? It was just a press preview event. Where there was just a bunch of games on tables. Oh, I would go to so many more press previews if they called them novelty, novelty zones. zones. I know, and it had a big red arrow pointing you the right way. Oh, that's mm. what I need. Okay, so you've been to uh, Essen Spieler. Spiel Essen. And? And the World Series of Board Games in Las Vegas. Oh, but we're not talking about We're not that talking today. about that. I didn't play anything new there. I just played Caverna and Heat. <laughs> and that was about it. How, how did you do in Heat? Oh, me, both me and Matt came third in our placement games, mm-hmm. um, which meant we were one spot. Like first, basically, it was a very, very small tournament for Heat. First and second would advance to the final. There were three tables of six people. First uh... and second place advanced to the final. So there were six people in the final. Okay, right. The person who won that won all of Heat. So forever. what I'm hearing is that you were knocked out after one game. We were knocked out. During the first game, yes, we, yeah. yeah, we uh, we we would we did not form. Okay, well, well in in which case, let's not dwell on that. And to podcast. be fair, okay, Matt had you're doing only, some dwelling right now. I'm doing some dwelling. Matt had only played Heat Pedal to the Metal twice. Once when it was like new and it had just come out, and once when it was like a pen and paper prototype. Yeah, I was there for that game. Yeah, yeah the game had no colors at that. I've point. got no excuse though because I've played shed loads of that game and I did quite badly. Okay. Well, we're not going to be talking about your miserable performance in Heat. No, sir. On this podcast, we are going to be talking about, this is so many games, I've got a dragon's horde in front of me. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about Ninja Master. Three Second Try. Oh, yeah. Viking Seesaw. That's a game. The same game. That's another game. Tiger and Dragon. Tigers and Dragons. Pray Another Day. Robo Trick. Sky Team, Prepare for Landing. That's the one. Triquetta. Triquetta? Match of the Century, Spassky versus Fisher. That's it. Your additional bonus game. Secret bonus game. And and I, you, it's not just you who can <laughs> quote unquote play board games, Tom. Uh-huh. Because while you've been at Essen playing quite literally the latest and greatest board games in existence, I have been at home playing a solo game, <laughs> which I'm going to quickly talk about for two minutes because it's it was good when I played it before. It's still good. I was playing the two expansions for Cristallo. In fact, let's put a sting in just for the psychological barrier. Wow, Quins, I feel like we're in a whole new section of the podcast I now. know. I, like, stings are very important to me, and mm. I don't even get to hear them. Like, <laughs> I, I play them in my head. Yeah, so uh, do I. Yeah, and then I'm like... Which that... one was in your head there? Yeah. Great. 
Um, so yeah, we've talked about Cristallo before, so I'm not going to linger on this. Uh, I'm just I'm lingering a little bit okay. uh, to talk about the fact that there's two expansions out for it now. So if you've missed our previous coverage of Cristallo, it is one of the strongest one-player games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. It's by designer Liberty Kaifer, um, and it doesn't quite play like a lot of solo games. Like mm. A lot of solo games are sort of... I don't know, uh, involve resource management or uh, working out the odds. Cristallo is much more of a spatial geographic puzzle. Mm. You've got a deck of cards with which you're going to, oh, thematically, you're running into a cave to unlock magical animals like, you know, phoenixes and, and there's a wind, there's a frost wolf of some kind. Ooh. Once you've released six animals by collecting the crystals that were on them, you take on a black dragon. None of this is important. What's important <laughs> is that as you play... You're going to be going card by card through a deck and placing them face up on your table in a huge, messy collage. In fact, mm-hmm. the only criticism of Cristallo is it requires a genuinely reasonably sized table. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to be trying to create patterns of crystals in ways that will make your brain absolutely melt. Cristallo was good when we reviewed it a couple of years ago. It's still really strong. But I right. just before we get onto your, you know... Dragon's horde of games. Yeah, I just want to talk about uh, one of the... Well, one of the expansions actually does add a horde of dragons. Whoa! Uh, Cristallo Den of Dragons uh, is a passable expansion that adds more variety to the sort of like final boss fight of Cristallo. Sure. To maximize your score. And Cristallo Untold Fortune adds special powers that do add a little bit of the dweebiness that I would have said is a good thing that was absent from Casalo. You unlock things like you can uh, collect, you can trade treasure with ravens to unlock, you know, like right. additional treasures. And there are now cave-ins that randomly occur mm. that cover up bits of your uh, collage. Um, turns out Cristallo is good with a bit more of that nerdy stuff. Um, but I just wanted to flag this because Cristallo is still, turns out, now I've been given an excuse to go back to it, one of the best solo games I've right. ever reviewed on Shut Up and Sit Down. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say, hey, these expansions are good for people who yeah i feel i feel i felt quite moved about cristallo that's sure. why i wanted to come here and talk about it but i'm now sat here in front of your games and i feel i feel small yeah i feel small compared to this just ridiculous pile of games you brought your game for one player whereas all my games require at least two making them twice as good i need to wrap this up the point is cristallo is still good and the expansions are solid tom you had a special format for what we've got coming up next i Am I right in saying I get to choose games from this pile? And yeah, just, just pick a game, them? pick a game from the pile, and ask me about about the game, and I will tell you all the information that you need to know about that game <laughs> instantly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Great. Well, I'm going to pick the game. I, uh- that I've actually heard of that I was really excited to try first. Okay, here we go. I want to know about Sky Team Prepare for Landing by Scorpion Muske. Quince, do you think Sky Team Prepare for Landing by Scorpion Muske games is good? Yeah. It is. Nice. It's really Oh, is this good. the game we're playing with all of them? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, maybe it should be, actually. Yeah, you can predict whether it's good or not. No, I think, I think that almost... Oh, this is dangerous. I think almost all the games here are actually pretty good. Okay. This is a exclusively good game. Podcast. Oh, that just makes it more fun for me because then I get to try and pick like the one or two that are a bit wonky. Yeah, which are the one or two that are going to be wonky? You're going to find out the process of elimination. Um, Sky Team is a co-op dice placement game where both of you are pilots flying an aeroplane in... Okay, so this is the first thing I need to get out of the way is that Sky Team's presentation is very like you're put together, you're pilots, you know what you're doing, you're running this operation smooth. And, you know, 
I don't know, like like a well-oiled machine. The cover art shows two people who look like they graduated top of their class yes. at airplane university. They look stoic, they look heroic, and they look like they're going to fly a plane really well. Yeah. The game is not that at all. <laughs> the first thing that strikes you is that you're not allowed to speak. So you roll your dice, and your dice are going to get placed on this sort of like cockpit, like plane dashboard. So it's a cooperative of, game? It's a cooperative game for exactly two players. Okay. Although I think you should play it four player, two planes racing each other to land. I think that would be exceptional. <laughs> Um, and the way that the game works is you have three phases. Phase one, you can have a little chat, and then you roll your dice. As soon as you roll your dice, you're in phase two, which is placing the dice. This sounds like the structure of Now Boarding, another popular plane cooperative game. No, it doesn't have a real-time element, which Now okay. Boarding does have. And it's more about landing one plane rather than getting loads sure. to land loads of places. Um, so you, you think once you're in that sort of silent dice placement phase, you go one player at a time putting your dice into these various sockets on your player board that will do various things to the plane. Um, so for example, um, the most obvious one is the roll section. So there are two sections you always have to put dice in, which is roll and speed. The speed section is you put two dice and you add them together, and then you cross-reference that with this other little number that basically shows you how fast your plane is moving on that turn. And you need to make sure that the plane gets to the airport <laughs> by the end of a certain number of rounds, so you need to make sure that you're always going the right speed, but you don't want to go too fast because on this like speed tracker, you have all of these planes getting these little wooden plane pieces getting in the way. And this is what adds to the feeling of like you're crashing a plane rather than you're <laughs> flying it, is that the only way you get... So imagine you're like a little dot moving down a, a, a track, right? And then along the track, there are these little obstacles that are in the way, right? To get rid of those obstacles, you need to radio, which is another space that you can put a dice into. And when you radio that space, you shuffle one of the planes off, but it gives you that atmosphere of someone being like, get out of the way right now, we're going to land this, you know, like as you sort of like slowly crash into, well, very speedily crashing towards the ground. So the roll stat is basically both of you put your dice in and the sum of those, the, the difference between those two dice is how much your plane tilts, tilts from one side to the other, right? But there's a margin of error of three. So if you go three spaces to the left, you are too far, you know, to one side and your plane is tilting too much and it just falls out the sky and you instantly lose. Oh, wow. So if you put a one in yours and someone puts a six in, you're toast. You're just dead. <laughs> so there's this weird... Oh, so little... these dice aren't custom dice. They're just regular they're D6s. One, yeah, they're one to six. Oh, cool. So there's, a, there's something that is... So yeah, you have to basically manage all these little boondoggles at the same time, like... As you get closer to landing, you have to switch on the landing gear, you have to switch on the whatever, and they, those all require specific dice placement. The thing that's clever about Sky Team, though, like I'm doing quite a bad job explaining this. I think, I'll put it out there, you'll be seeing more coverage of Sky Team later on. Oh, good. Down. Okay. I think it's that kind of game. And in fact, at time of recording, you can see me and Emily play Sky Team on the Shut Up and Sit Down Twitch channel. The VOD is still available, and we might we might make it more permanently available soon in, in some other way, because it's a fun stream. Check it out if you want to see Sky Team in motion. We, we had a good time. It's it's a really cracking co-op game. And the reason that it's a really cracking co-op game is because it has this lovely little dice placement dance where you are suggesting things to the other player silently by putting your dice down. Like you socket a six somewhere. Mm. And you're, you're, and it's almost like the crew, right? You put a I six was going to make that comparison. Yes. Yeah. You, you, you put a six somewhere and your opponent will be like, well, why the hell are you putting a six into the roll? And you're like, oh, because you need your potential one or two or three somewhere else or because you just don't have any other options. <laughs> and then you're, you're like, at the, it's about timing as well. It's when do you reveal that you've got a big annoying number that's going to get in the way. Oh, so you or don't like, know what dice one another have. No, 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 you've got no idea. They're hidden behind a screen. But you know that like there's some, there's like a really nice thing that happened in one of our games where I put a six in 
knowing that that was going to be a real problem. And then my friend Jamie, my co-pilot, was then socketing in dice to give me a concentration, which is a stat that lets, which is a resource you can then spend to alter your dice. Because he knew that I'd mm. need a better roll somewhere else because of what I'd previously mm. communicated through my dice. It's good. It's really good. And it has a whole bunch of like extra scenarios. So like once you've done the basic landing, there's, it then goes open up the rest of the box. And then it has things like an intern who you have to fully train by the time the plane has landed. Oh, hell yes. Um, like a fuel stat. So you're constantly losing fuel as you fly. Um, there's like different airports with different like runways and landings and time to destination that you have to manage. I am all about this. I'm Weather, all... air traffic, all kinds of things. It's I am great. so impressed by Scorpion Masque generally. It's good. As people mm -hmm. and as a business. Excellent. I'm now distracted by these three sort of long boxes that look like they might hold, you know, like... Treasure? I was going to say like really fancy chopstick sets. Uh-huh. Um, we're talking about the Itten Funbrick series of Ninja Master, Three Second Try, and Viking Seesaw. There's more of these than just these three. I think there are six, aren't there? I think there might even be more than six. I can't eat. I don't I don't know. But those are the three that I played. There's more. <laughs> I thought um, you were going to say those three are the best ones. Those are the three that I have. Well, let me... No, I have more. I just haven't played the, the, the three other ones because they only have rules in Japanese. Oh, okay. Uh, so Viking Seesaw is a Reiner Knizia game. <laughs> Of course. Which is totally bizarre. About balancing a tiny little pirate boat. This might be the first game I've seen where it, uh, the manual is just the, the box, the cover art on the box. Yeah, it, can, it literally is. Can I describe it to the people at home? Go for it. It's a, there's, On the cover of Viking Seesaw, there is a purple boat covered in what are clearly little wooden pieces. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess it's like players take turns putting wooden pieces into a boat and the player who upsets it loses the game. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's 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 almost exactly that. Um it's it's whoever makes it tilt then has to take some bonus some extra pieces. And it's trying to, you're trying to get rid of all the pieces first. Mm. And if you make the boat tilt because it's always going to be it's like a, it's a seesaw. It's always going to be on uh, one side's going to be up. Oh wait, but if one side's up then surely I can just continue No, no, you have to put things on the side that's up. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, fun. that's in the air. So so it's how much can you afford to weigh it down? And you said it was all wood, but some of the pieces are metal as well. Oh, see. And they all have different weights and different size and different textures. Some require balancing, some don't. I'll tell you, I, you know what? It's an, also a publisher that I've become a fan of over the years. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool seeing them put the series out. Yeah. It feels and I, like maybe they're trying to compete a little bit with the Oink Games school of like yes. matching tiny boxes. Well, this year... Uh, Essen, um, Itten, Oink, and Sashi and Sashi shared a booth all together. So I swung by and picked up a load of that sort of stuff. And there's a similar design philosophy to a lot of it. I think we'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about Tiger and Dragon, which is also um, which is an Oink game. Oh, um, Oink, the first large box. Yeah, it's oink a huge game, Oink game. Which is to say, it's about it's significantly the size of a regular game yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's talk about uh let's before we move on from this itten series uh let's talk about the game in this bar that i think might be worse but you're probably now going to tell me is good mm -hmm. let's talk about three second try right i'm here to tell you that viking seesaw is the good one out of those three <laughs> viking seesaw i found delightful right. i really enjoyed playing viking seesaw three second try is basically like you put a little, it's got a really nice core component. It has a little marble run. So mm -hmm. it's a little marble, it's like a board that's kind of like an indented board that you put a marble in and then it goes like ding, 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 ding as it like goes down. Yeah, in a diagonal. Um, yeah, in a sort of diagonal back and forth zigzag yeah. pattern. And every time it dings, that's a second, basically. So it goes ding, 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 ding. And then it's like, that's three seconds, your time is up, basically. 
Um, oh, do you have to do like WarioWare challenges within three seconds? Exactly. You have to do exactly that. You can choose mind or body challenges. <laughs> uh, I mean... Mind are trivia things generally, or um, you know, name this many things in three seconds. And then uh, the other ones are like do as many star jumps or whatever as you can in this amount of time Wait, do the way as that, many as you so can. the way the game works is it goes you have a boasting phase where you have three seconds to boast and whoever bids the highest essentially then has to do the thing in three seconds and they then have to stop the marble from rolling before the end of three seconds this doesn't sound bad the reason it's bad is because three seconds is not enough time um... like it should be called five second try like and it should be five seconds because it's just it feels like that boasting it's like five seconds is too long to do trivia. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that like because then I think if it was five seconds, it gives it that room of like the boasting to be a little bit more like instead people just shout like one what like people are already shouting like the same number each other a bunch and then like one person I don't know it just doesn't it doesn't hang together. Wait, You've got why to trust are you, me. Why are you this. shouting the same number? Well, as in like in. Because it's such a short amount of time to boast in, people are just shouting over each other. Like you're saying one while someone else is saying one, and then you're like, Wait, "Oh, well, I, I don't understand. What is the boasting phase?" People shouting out how many times they think they can do the thing in three seconds. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. That probably would have been good to explain straight out of the game. No, hey, you know <laughs> what? We got it now. All right, what's the third little cute it and fun brick series? Ninja Master, which I also think is not great. <laughs> um, it's a again well, a Reiner Knizia game. Okay, yeah. The guy was literally every single game at Essen was a Reiner Knizia game. I swear to God. Basically, uh, you roll a bunch of dice into the middle of the table, and then you have to, in real time, grab things based on what dice there are. Um, so, for example, if there are ninja faces, so there's like green, pink, yellow, blue ninja faces. Yep. If there are loads of pink ninja faces, you want to grab the pink ninja as quick as possible because then you'll get the points equal to the number of die faces. Oh, no. However, if there's a little vanish symbol, that means that they're actually worth negative points, so you don't want to grab that. And then there's like a shuriken and there's a little sword and there's lots of other things. I just found it a little too, again, fast and daft. It's like, you just I felt like it was over in like a second and like, uh, I don't know. There just wasn't the sort of like, there was little play to it. It was like three, two, one, then someone just grabs something randomly and then you work out the points and working out the points takes longer than every single other part of the game. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a, yeah. Whereas with guy splits, which is a very similar thing of mm -hmm. like, you know, you draw a card and then have to grab the thing. Have you played Geist Bits? I've played Geist Bits. Yeah. yeah. It, but Geist Bits, you immediately know if someone screwed up. Yes. Someone exactly. grabs the yellow bed and you're like, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I will also add another. I can't remember if it was Ithan or Sashi and Sashi. I, can't, I think it might have been an Ithan game. There's an, this is my secret bonus game that I play, which I just feel like I have to mention, but I do not have a copy of. I think it's a convention only game. I wouldn't want to own this game. Well, if, if it's. Oh, oh, okay. You wouldn't want to own it. All right. No, it's called Nuts A Go Go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a game where you basically fill a sort of like board game. It's like a I don't know how you describe the box size, kind of like a little bit larger than Curious Cargo size box. That's just that full such of a specific, yeah, I know, useless right? example. <laughs> it's one of the like Pegasus Spieler half size German boxes. Yes, Patchwork. Patchwork comes in, but that a size bit box. bigger, a bit bigger than Patch, a bit taller, a bit deeper than Patchwork. Okay, fine. But imagine that box just full of random bits of wood, <laughs> uh, and you've got nuts of go-go essentially which is a game where you go three two one and then everyone just roots around in that box for random bits of wood that they then have to stuff into a tiny little peanut cup in front of them a peanut so just, cup like a little tiny um like it almost looks the sort of size of like a urine sample cup <laughs> why is that your go-to point of reference i don't know i've never actually seen one of those in real life so 
That well, then disgusting. how do you know how big it is? I don't know. I just imagine it's probably not that big. I feel like a urine sample cup has got to be quite large because you can, I, sometimes I I'm full of a lot of pee. Yeah, but maybe you don't. Maybe you try not to be full of loads of pee. That is also my. Quite, I mean, I get. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have had multiple stories of friends who, when they're at hospital and they're told to give a sample of mm -hmm. so anything. You know, mm -hmm. let's let's say you know the 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 three main things you might be asked to give a sample of. Uh huh. Discounting spit. Um, <laughs> Multiple of my friends have have had the embarrassing occasion of then of handing it over and the the doctor in question being like or nurse rather being like ooh didn't you give us a lot for some reason <laughs> <laughs> so no so I think yeah. It, yeah no urine sample cup I mean this is this yeah how big <laughs> is that you give us a lot for some reason <laughs> like I I don't know like I don't know how to, like a like um like this big. Oh great! That's good I'm sort of making material. a U shape with my hand. All right, whatever. So nuts a go go is a game where you're given a cup of indeterminate size and you have to grab what wood that fits in your cup, mm -hmm. various wooden pieces that go into your cup, and then what follows is the reveal phase, <laughs> where players one at a time have to reveal pieces of wood from their cup, and then everyone else has to match that piece of wood. But you can't. You have to Ooh, dig it out good. with one finger. Oh, you have from to the like cup? fish it out from the bottom of the cup because you can't like if something falls out the cup. It's no longer yours. So you have to really carefully like hook things out of the cup. And if you can't reveal something from your cup, then you're out of the round and you keep going until only one person I is can... left and then they're the king of nuts a go go. Right. It's, the nuts a go go, it's I assumed it would be like squirrel themed somehow. It's just nuts themed. Nuts nuts. As in all of the wooden pieces are like meant to be nuts and you're putting them in a a nut cup. Oh, okay. a nut cup is a very different kind of sample. <laughs> I uh, I can see how this would be a good convention game because even just you describing nuts a go go it's to me, stupid. If someone showed this to me at two a.m. and I was just the right kind of tired, it would be the funniest experience of my life. The thing that was just really funny about it was someone. It, it's someone like sort of like conspiratorially looking around and then being like one of these <laughs> and like holding like a weird little wooden block and then everyone going. Mm. And producing the and same producing size, their own little tiny wooden piece. Okay, wow, it's stupid. I didn't like it that much, but it was fun for a convention. Yeah, I mean, okay, great. Well, let's stick on the theme of Japanese publishers. Uh, I would love to know about this large box oink game in front of me. Remember when Tiger and Dragon? Remember when we tried to cover Mahjong? Oh yeah, Tiger and Dragon is like the closest I've got to a game feeling like Mahjong than anything else, in that it both has like lovely smooth clacky tiles oh okay and it also feels pretty activity like like there is something about tiger and dragon that ah. is has a slightly different it's philosophy. not necessarily like strategic or like it i mean not to say mahjong isn't strategic but it's like that thing we encounter in card games and mahjong where it's like you're doing an act i'm not just using more words to describe so it. the same thing but, but you're doing an act <laughs> but what do we mean by that doing an activity it's it's a game where the the you are going to play multiple rounds because maybe you won't get a chance to be clever in just one game yeah you're going through motions that are pleasing very very pleasing right there's a there's a rhythm to tiger and dragon that is that i found very similarly relaxing and calming to mahjong in that you're manipulating these nice little tiles organizing your nice little tires, mm. clacking them around in the middle of the table when you're mm. shuffling them. Like There is a pleasing element of tactility to it, but also in the actual play of it. The way that Tiger Dragon works is really simple. Um, you get dealt a whole bunch of these tiles and you put them in front of you and only you can see the values on them. Uh, the values range from one to eight and there's one one tile, two two tiles, three three tiles okay, yeah. and so on and so forth. There's also a tiger and a dragon, one of which represents all the even tiles, one of which represents all the odd tiles. The play of the game is just someone uh, taking one of their, so you start with the first player, they take a tile and they go, I'm attacking with a two, for mm -hmm. example. Then the person to their left has two options. 
either they defend with a two or a tiger or dragon, the one that is all of the even or odd numbers, right? So they either defend with a matching number or they pass. If everyone passes in a row, that ends the round and the person who got everyone to pass in succession gets a reward, which is placing one of their tiles face down and then attacking again straight afterwards. So they get like double turn, essentially. Mm. Uh, the first player to shed all their tiles wins with the hook that, depending on what your last tile played was, you score different amounts of points. So a one, ending with a one, always wins you the game. Uh, it gives you 10 points instantly, and it's 10 points to win. But some, there are these different, um, they're called different battles, which are basically these different cards that have different scoring conditions for different games, or even slightly different twists to how the game is played. So for example, the base one gives you more points if you score with a seven or an eight. The last, like, is your last tile. If you manage to do that, you get loads of points. But there are other ones that are like, there's one that's called like, it's like a boast battle where you show everyone one of your tiles. And if you win with that tile, you get more points than, oh, than fun. if you won in any other way. It sounds really nice. It's really pleasing. It doesn't sound too dissimilar to uh, Durak, which sure. recently came to us in the form of Blaze, yes. uh, the card game where you're attacking your neighbor. And Blaze is definitely funnier. Like, Blaze is sillier and the attacking feels much more like spiteful and nasty yes it and... feels like a mean angry sort of kind of strategy and then sometimes just hatred yes exactly exactly that but feels kind of frantic and tiger of dragon is soothing tiger and dragon is gentle okay mm-hmm. interesting i mean it's a really nice box as well it's a good pub game i think i don't i wouldn't like tell anyone to like go out and get it straight away and i'm also really curious to see what it's like at a lower player count where you can do more of that deduction to try and knock people out at high player counts, it can feel a little random and it can feel like you can almost sit out of an entire... Like, there was a thing that happened a lot in our four or five player games of Tiger and Dragon where one person wouldn't have much to defend with for the first few rounds and then by the time it, they eventually managed to defend something, they would then just almost certainly lose because the other players, by virtue of the other players just having like one or two things in front of them. And then you're playing a game of Minesweeper where it's like, well, what's the one thing they've got in front of them? And if you guess wrong, you're just dead. So I think, and I think the fact that there's something slightly unsettling about the way that it's a game where only one person scores points every round. So it's like you can put a lot into a hand and like do really well and still get nothing because someone uh, else managed to play out their hand really quickly for like not necessarily skill based reasons. Yeah, rub me okay. the wrong way. Well, but I want to play more of it. I want to see what it's like at three. I think, hmm. I think that's where the sweet spot might be. I mean, certainly, I think they made the right choice with components of like rather than releasing just a mediocre card game. Yes, if you're if it is an activity, then those mahjong tiles are so nice. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. they're so lovely. Uh, okay, well, before we head into German city of the one, two, three, four German or quasi-German games you've got in front of me, let's take a brief uh, sidetrack into Robotrick. Oh, okay. Oh, another Japanese game, actually. Another Japanese so game. So that does fit our Japanese section, so I am clever. Big caveat here is that Robotrick isn't really available. There was a big line for it at the booth um, that like stretched around the block for both that and another game called Nakosu Dice. I think Nakosu Dice isn't very good. A lot of other people thought it was great. So I guess <laughs> that's that. Uh, Robotrick, however, I was very impressed by, despite it not being available in many places. It is available through Travel Games, the same supplier who had 535 when I reviewed that. Oh, okay. Um, good source for weird little import games if you are in the UK. So Robotrick, I was lukewarm on it initially, and then I really was, I was very hot on it by the end. I think this game is really special. Okay. It is a three-player only trick-taking game yep. where you there is no theme except for there is a robot player. So it's three players and <laughs> one robot player. The way the game works is super hard to describe on a podcast, but I'll try and just get into the feelings of it as soon as possible. Essentially, 
you have a card that represents the robot. Wait, sorry. The robot. So there's three of you and then a sort of fourth AI player. Yes, a fourth player who, like in Bridge, they're like the dummy where they basically splay out their whole hand when they receive it. So you see the robot's whole hand on the table. Mm. Um, this is also, maybe it'll turn people off because they'll be like, oh, you have to like manage an AI opponent. No, you don't. It's super simple. It does the same thing as a lot of like really good solo modes where it's like, you just, it's like the decision-making process is like, you look at one thing and you're like, now I know what they do. Mm. Basically, the way the game works is you're just trying to score the most points or score the, the least negative points because our score in that game was like minus 40, minus three, and like six. It was like <laughs> our spread of scores. So three players plus the robot player. Robot player sprays out their whole hand at the start of the turn. They're not a real person. The way that the trick-taking works, it's just a really standard trick-taking game. It's like you have a trump suit. You must follow where possible. Um, you play out a hand and then whoever wins the trick wins the trick basically it, it's there's nothing special there the thing that's special is you have a card that shows that's the public card that represents where the robot is at the table like who's which players it's sitting between <laughs> shows the robot's brain there's 10 of these cards and they will make the robot play in different ways so it will say how it leads it will be like lead high which means that they will just play its highest card right mm. or it will be like lead low it will always lead with its lowest card and then it has follow instructions what happens when the robot's trying to follow a trick like if it can follow what will it play its lowest its highest okay. or like its longest which is like the card it has the most of or something like that it's again hard to follow doesn't really make much sense yeah the thing that's juicy is the way that the game so first you know exactly how the robot's going to act yeah which means that you have this little bit of extra information that you can kind of manipulate to, to for your own ends. The thing that's juicy is the way the scoring works, which is that the first three cards you win off the robot are positive points. So you win a... <laughs> you beat, oh, if, God. Yeah. So if you beat the robot, you take its card as positive points. Is this the same school of brain-melting trick-taking that brought us Cat in a Box? Yes. I think this is more brain-melty than Cat in the Box. Almost. Okay. If you beat the robot, you score its card as positive points. You win a 10, you've just got 10 points. That's, the, that's true for the first three cards. But then every card you win off the robot is worth negative points. You get your three cards, then you start winning a six. Oh no, that's worth negative six points. However, if the robot wins a trick, instead of anyone winning the card, it that card its goes brain. No, the card, no, no, the, the brain gets changed every round. Oh, okay. The way that and you only play three rounds. If the robot wins the trick, it bins its own card, and all the cards you played, you score negatively. So oh. you want to lose a trick with your lowest cards if you think the robot's... But then you, sometimes you don't want to win a trick <laughs> because you don't want to win the card that's in the middle because it's not good enough. There's also a really lovely little, uh, little, little spritz is that you actually pass two cards to the player to your left at the start of a round so you can seed. <laughs> you can try and like make the robot play in ways that are annoying so that like they have to play... like. You know, the robot plays its, like, yellow 13, and you know the person next to you only has their yellow 12, so the robot wins, they lose minus 12 points because they lost to the robot. Yeah, wow. Hard to describe, but very, very, very good, and very, very thinky, and I was, uh, I was really pleasantly surprised by it. And yeah, the brains aren't too complicated, they're, they're really, really simple to follow instructions that you can pretty easily manipulate. Like, first round will be a little shaky, but from then on, it's just smart, really smart. And supposedly you could play it with a deck, a regular deck of cards because it's one through 13, four suits. You just need to work out how the brains work. But you could essentially play a game of Robotrick with one AI brain. It just wouldn't be as exciting and varied as if you play it with different brains. Oh, I see. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. That's Robotrick. It's good, but also not very available. Uh, but you can get it from Travel Games if you're in the UK. And I would recommend it because it's good. Sweet. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, now I'm excited to enter the German zone. Woo! 
we were kind of already in the German zone. Oh no, we weren't in the German zone. We were talking yet. about Robotrick. Yeah, we were. Keep it together. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let's start by talking about well, let's get the confusing game and the biggest game out of the way first. Please tell me about the game that is called The Same Game. Now, there is a misconception with this game. Oh, it's Wolfgang Wash. It's Wolfgang Wash. You know uh, how you know, I, I drive people mad with the is it Breaking Bad or Breaking Bad thing? No, what? No, okay, right. So people, no. it, I think it's Breaking Bad, but some Breaking people, Bad? Yes, exactly. And, but some, but that's but, wrong. Breaking yeah, Bad. It's Breaking Bad. So is it Breaking Bad or Breaking Bad? Well, but, you, you, don't, you didn't pronounce it. Okay, anyway, right, here's, anyway. The, here's the thing. The same game. I think it's not said the same game. It's no, it's not said the same game. It's, it's the, the same, same game. game. The same game. Okay. It's the same game. Jesus, Tom, you really <laughs> just had a conversation about like, oh yeah, no, we'll keep the runtime of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just spoke about that off mic and now... Fun, weird diversion into the same game or the same game. That diversion was not fun. Oh, it was fun for me. Describe the same game to uh, me. Sorry. The same game. Very simple. Uh, I'm going to show you the presentation for this on the back. Okay. It basically has like a little middle board with these weird little cups uh, that you're going to put onto the board. Oh, in, uh, like, nut cups. Little nut cups. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, the way the game works is essentially at the start, everyone gets an item and then they will write down... Uh, oh, God. Okay. This is re <laughs> it's really hard to explain. It's a party game. Co-op party game by Wolfgang Warsh and Pegasus Spieler. Edition Spielweiss where basically what you are trying to do is you're trying to collectively get points by people guessing how two items, what in what category two items are the most similar in. Okay. So you have a basically a spread of different categories on the board, like uh, movement, weight, or duration of use. <laughs> At the start of the game, these get seeded with numbers, one through like eight or something. Then you will shuffle, there's a little bag of tokens, and you'll pull a number secretly from that bag, so like one, right, for example. And that might correspond to weight, for example. What you then have to do, you then draw an item card, so you write that down, you write one. Then you get an item card, and you will then write down a clue. So, for example, pizza cutter might be your item. And then you try and write down a clue that has that the, same... the same weight as the pizza cutter, but not any of the other categories. Because then what people are going to do is they're going to use, through a process of elimination, whittle that down until they've only got one thing that is your, like, curse, is the, is the one word that is... Great. Where it's similar. I'm going to say now what our audience is thinking. Yeah. This doesn't sound fun. I think it's fun. I don't know how fun it is. I already think it's not quite up there with the Wolfgang Warsh heavyweight that is Wavelength. Yeah. I don't know if it's as good as similar games like Just One or So Clover, but I'm whittling it down to try and find out because we had one really like, there is a genuine joy to these little cups that you lift up. <laughs> <laughs> you just spent how long describing the design and then you're like no seriously okay but these cups though I've got to tell you about they're the, the cups. redeeming feature they really of the are. game they really are they're delightful because you you lift like you collectively are whittling them down one at a time and when you yank one of them off and it's got the little trap symbol underneath rather than number they're like ah Wait, everyone makes it the same trap time. symbol so everyone um like say your trap is two for example that's the one I'm using the word trap now and I haven't used it before in the I know, entirety of the rules maybe your category yeah. right is the two everyone close their eyes and you flip over the two so it's oh, on its... Oh, so the two might correlate to movement. Yes, and you flip over that so it's on its, like, trap side and then you cover up all the numbers with cups. 
Sorry. And then people lift up each one until they finally get to the one that's the trap, which is either ends the round or it's the last one, in which case you've won. I'm going to say now what all of our audience oh is thinking. Oh, God, not again. It just, I, I don't fully understand. No, I but know. But that's okay, because you've given a vibe. You've I've given, given a vibe. You've given a sensation, which is a kind of, not annoying, but not necessarily brilliant associative word game, but with cool reveals. And it has a, it has the same thing as Wavelength, where it's an engine for discussion, where it's like, very oh. quickly, people could be <laughs> a like... A pizza cutter doesn't weigh the same as a close well, peg. It's more that, yeah, true. The interesting categories are things like, um, importance for humanity is one of them. Oh, uh, good. So, so then it's go. like, you know, you're debating whether like, you know, a fridge is more or less important to humanity than like, a grasshopper or something, for example. Oh, like, that's a really good one though. Okay, so, so fridges yeah. can store medicine. Right, grasshoppers right. are a bug. Well, <laughs> yeah, but they might be important to uh, ecosystem. Yeah, there was something. But to there do... were also lots of bugs. Exactly. There's, so if you can get rid of a few, grasshoppers. can you get rid of fridges? Is that uh, what no, said? imagine getting rid of fridges. You would have would find a way. You would have starvation mm. instantly. How do you think the food gets to your supermarket? Not on a <laughs> grasshopper. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's the kind of discussion that that game produces. I just don't know if it's as good as producing them as wavelength is, mm. or as simple. But it is it visually it looks amazing. The little cups are really good. I know I know I talk about them again, but the cups are really good. You heard it here first. If you want your game to be reviewed positively by Tom Brewster of Shut Up and Sit Down, yeah, put some little cups in put it. Put in a little nut cup. Uh -huh. Okay, right. Uh, let's move on to talking about another Pegasus Spieler game. Pray another day. It's a hunting game. Now I tell you what. The, 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 for, wow, goodness gracious! Like there are a lot of discussions in the board game community about. Um, how is it better to you know just lean on an artist who illustrates board games all the time, or mm -hmm. use a new artist? Yeah. I am really taken by the artist who's done the cover of Prey. It's delightful. Day. Go and look at the cards as well; they're really good. Okay, okay. Like all the individual cards in this game, they're like so. The way to sort of describe it is Ooh. like, yeah, it's almost like luminescent, like art style. Yeah. It's very like the sort of the box can the main box color can be described as like highlighter yellow. Yeah. Um. It's got basically it's a very very simple game. It's a this is like in the region of like daft pub betting game. Uh, those are food tokens, Quins. Oh, that that's not that's a little mushroom, a little messed up mushroom. On guy. almost all of the art pieces, there's a little messed up mushroom guy somewhere, oh, and so I don't know is, what his yeah. role is. I also really like if you look at five, the mouse, which is my favourite piece of art in the game. He looks like he's having a constant <laughs> panic attack. Now look at the bear. Oh yeah, and see what the bear might be sitting on oh, at the bottom. Lovely. It's very he's cute. Sat on a mouse. He's sat on a mouse. He's tiny. Yeah, it's, no, it's this cute. artist needs to work forever. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's yeah. It we really, should say really... the name of the artist now. Who is? What is the name of the artist? Quins? Nile Bronner. Very well done. That's a guess. Neil, uh, it's a guess. N e l e Bronner. N e l. -E we love you, Neely. Neely. <laughs> uh, this is a very simple, like, boasting pub, silly, whatever, dumb game where essentially you're simulating a food chain. You have five cards in your hand. Bear, wolf, lynx, owl, mouse. Everyone chooses a card from their hand and then you go through and you say, is anyone the bear? And then you flip over your cards. If two people are the same animal, no hunt occurs because they can't decide or something. If the only <laughs> one person reveals an animal though, so if you're the, if you two, the wolf, I'm the only wolf, you can choose to hunt an animal that's lower than you on the food chain. If you hit someone, so if, if you say the owl and then someone's the owl, they're out of the round. They have been eaten by you. Mm. Um, you then do, once you've got to the bottom of the food chain, you then go again and you pick, everyone who's still in 
picks a card again, and then you go around and you do the bear, whatever. You go down through all the things, you do some more eating. At the end of the round... Oh, so you're just trying to pick the highest number that is not also picked by somebody else. Yes, but also, if you do pick the highest number, you're trying to take out someone below you for a reason that I'll talk about in just a second. Okay. Because at the end of the round, who if there's one person left, they get all the food. They get two food tokens. Uh, however, if there are multiple people left at the round, it's whoever played the highest numbered cards cumulatively that wins, with the lowest cards, the mouse and the owl, being worth the most numbers. This is maybe my favourite game that we've talked about today. Really? I, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds intrinsic. I mean, the art does genuinely... The art is incredible. And the cards are, you know, double-sized. Which big, is stocky, big, slappable. Big, bear-sized, slappable mm-hmm. cards. It just, it's, I can really visualize myself playing it and visualize myself having a great time. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a pub game. I don't know how good a pub game it is. I was sort of trying to whittle down the perfect player count for it because at three, it almost feels too thinky. Yeah. And at five, a little too random. So maybe at four, okay. it'll be really juicy. Can I say something? Yes, you can say something. I'd like to apologize for getting a bit too excited and I could, and, and disappointing you that this was my favorite game of all the games we've yeah, played today. I, 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 I gave you such a good pitch on Robotrick. I had a, f- a ro- you heard me I'm explain the same game badly Robotrick, and i would play the same game you'll like Robotrick. okay um yeah <laughs> no basically what happened is i'd had a, a sort of flare up the the, mm. the excitement equivalent of gas um <laughs> when it comes to uh uh i can't read that sideways pray another day pray another day um it passed mm-hmm. passed pretty much at the same time you were like really now and in the cold light of day i've really it's almost like you're a sort, sort of sitting of, in your own gas yeah like the Disgusted, yeah. and I've really—I don't know where it came from. Okay. It might come back. Yeah, it's just because it's small and dumb, and it's—you're imagining drinking. That's think... what you're excited by, isn't it? Really, <laughs> that is not not true. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that seems like a cool little card game. It's fun. I think this, someone told me they were like. The person who re- recommended it to me, they recommended I pick it up. They were like, it's as good as a medium good oink game, <laughs> which I thought was such an accurate, uh, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. like a rubric for measuring things. There's another oink game that I played called Whale to Look, which I think I'll talk about on another podcast, oh, yeah. where you're trying to find out where a whale is. And it's really delightful because it's got these tiny boats with little people in them. Is this and like you cart them around a little ocean and try and spot a whale? Oh, this isn't like Yeti in the house where you've actually physically hid a whale somewhere in the room. And Unfortunately, then... not, no. You're hiding a whale your imagination in this one. Okay, great. Uh, hmm, well, let's talk about the last Pegasus Spieler game in this pile. Let's talk about a game that we don't know how to pronounce. Triquetta? Triquetta? Triquetta. The, I, the, the way I said it was so British, and like <laughs> British personal holiday. Uh, but we like the idea that it's pronounced Triquetta. Yeah, I like that. I think that makes sense to me. T-R-I-Q-U-E-T-A. That's Triquetta. And what is Triquetta? It's a little set collection game where you're trying to get exactly three of these charming sort of like I don't know what you describe uh, them as. Now you're groaning. Yeah, because you're saying you don't know what to describe them as. I, it's like Celtic knot symbols yeah. that you mostly see. No, ta- you're collecting. You're not collecting Celtic knots, you silly Billy. You're well, collecting oh, those little sort of oh, chunky wooden pieces. Oh, you mean like the? Oh, yeah, they're like leaf-shaped diamond with aminals on them. Okay, we can agree those are cool. Those are cool. I got distracted by the Celtic knot. You sort those little nice little tiles. Let's call them tiles into four piles, each representing a round of the game. Then what you do is you start making rows equal to the number of players. Three-player game. There's three rows in front of you. On your turn, you have two options. You can take a tile from the pile and add it to a row, or you can take a row. Those are the two options for the entire game. Oh, so it's a little bit coloretto. Very, yes, very much so. Um, When you put things into the rows, they will obviously get more juicy for someone to potentially take. However, 
the only way you score points in this game really is one tile is worth one point, two tiles worth two points, three tiles are worth the number of points on them. So if you have three bears, bears are worth 10 points, so you'd get 10 points, right? right. For your whatever, for your three bears. Um, four tiles is worth minus one point. Yeah, Five is, tiles is worth is, minus two points. This is the Coloretto scoring system. No way, really? Yeah, Coloretto. Oh, wow. Uh, no, it's okay. I'm sure there are differences. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but You're no, reliably informed there are differences. Uh, yeah, no, Coloretto is draw a card and e- either uh, add a card to a sort of hopper mm-hmm. or... Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, uh, add a card to a hopper or take a hopper. Right, exactly. Um, and yeah, you get some points for having some of a color and it eventually spills over into negative points. Interesting. Okay, well, maybe it's very sim- maybe it's very similar to Coloretto. I might have to play that and then I can deliver my verdict because I quite like Triquetta. I enjoyed it greatly. But it's like 30 quid, I think, that I found it online. I and mean, if Coloretto is... Colorado is good and very cheap. Is is going to be a tenner because it's a small box card yes. game. Um, I will say that if you gave me the pitch of Coloretto but with nice tiles, I You'd would have be been like, in. I did well, you know, yeah, maybe because I mean, I, I've gone in reverse. You've gone, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, clearly, Triquetta has different rules. We're not Probably, saying these yeah. are the same games because I haven't played Triquetta and you haven't played Coloretto. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey. Coloretto's a classic. The thing that I just found really delightful about Triquetta is I played it with my friend Jamie, just two-player. And when he started, he was like, there's no game here. And he was just filling up rows with as many tiles and taking them. And then as soon as the second round started, and it was like, there was a goat in there, and he already had three goats, he was like, oh no. <laughs> and then like learning that he then had three more rounds of like just pure punishment like to go. <laughs> it was delightful. There is nothing sweeter than the feeling of somebody declaring proudly, there is no game here. And then being monsters yeah, almost because it, immediately it, it, afterwards. It's like, A, they're always wrong, and B, they don't even know how wrong they are, but they're going to, you know they're going to feel it yeah. as the game starts bludgeoning them over the head. Exactly. I found it really pleasant, and I want to play more of it, because I think it might be like a little, it's the kind of game that would very snugly fit into like a Christmas gift guide sort of I'll lend you Coloretto, and you can see how they're different. Let's do that. Okay. Final uh, game? Final game! Okay. Right here. Oh, I, I didn't save, I didn't save an appealing one. Um, no, uh, this is appealing. Well, no, I know, but like, you know, aesthetic Aesthetically, emotionally, um, <laughs> it's not appealing. The final game is Match of the Century, Spassky versus Fisher by Capstone Games. So, and, 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 well, hang on. You'll get can, there. can I describe the, for the viewers the journey I went on before we started recording this you podcast? Can. So I flipped this over. I'm like, okay, wait, it's a board game about a famous chess match. Yep. How are we going to do that? Because we had the weird Queen's Gambit board game, mm-hmm. which was also not quite chess. chess but not chess. Right. So then I flip over Match of the Century to see what this game is, and immediately what I see is something that looks like a chess board, but rather than a bunch of chess pieces being placed on the board, what I see is cards from a card-driven war game on the back. Yep. Um, I'm not going to get into why that like repulsed me in particular. It's just not my favorite mechanic, but I immediately went, Bleh. Yeah. And then Tom said, Look You went, Ugh, Oh no! Yep. Like that. And then you said, Look who it's designed by, and I went, Ooh! <laughs> uh, it was just- the biggest swap I've ever seen in you. And I knew it would have that effect as well. You were completely right. Uh, it's designed by Paolo Mori. You uh, like designer Paolo of, Mori. I do. A designer of such Shut Up and Sit Down favourites as Libertalia, Ethnos, Dogs of War, and recently The Little War Games. Mm. Uh, Blitzkrieg and Caesar. Blitzkrieg and Caesar, yeah. Mm. Yeah, delightful. Uh, I am here to tell you that I think Match Century is pretty damn good as well. Damn. Tonally, it feels really similar to another game that I liked from Capstone in this kind of size box called Watergate. Um, oh, yeah. Very similar sort of vibe of it being very tense, very push and pull, um, very 
direct and fighty. Uh, it's very much, a, it's, it feels like a sparring game. It feels like you are dueling the person in front of you. Which was similar to Blitzkrieg and Caesar. Yes, exactly. Um, Same really... size box as well. No, completely different size box. But but similar Blitzkrieg area, similar now volume. comes in a box like that, but it ah. didn't used to. So there's a fact for you to put in your trousers. Great fact. I'd do a sting, which is like Quentin's cool facts, but I can't be bothered. <laughs> uh, so Match of the Century, you correctly worked out that it is a game about a chess match a famous chess match, Spassky versus Fischer. However... The height of the Cold War, Tom! Exactly. You do not play any chess in this game. You, like, simulate a chess game uh, by playing cards. <laughs> um, the goal of the game is to win... Oh, I'm going to get confused. I'm going to do some confusing terminology here. The aim of the game is to win six matches. And each match is made up of four exchanges. An exchange is very simple. You just put a card down, and then your opponent plays a card in the same sort of slot. There's four slots you can put them in, and each slot, one through four, will pull this little marker more towards your or your opponent's side based on if you win. Which is very similar to how Watergate works. Very similar to how Watergate works. And Watergate, we have a review of on YouTube. We do. Beloved game. Hmm? Beloved game of yours. Beloved game of mine. If you watch that review, you'll actually get a pretty good sense of how this works, except it's a little less asymmetrical. It's still asymmetrical because the two players have different like tendencies which are reflected in the game. The idea of like Fisher being this kind of like more swingy and braggadocious player versus Spassky being much more like it says he's like the king of the mid-game or something. <laughs> and so his cards are much more about control and pacing and tempo, whereas Fisher's a bit more flashy and, and crazy. Mm. Um but the way, yeah, so the, let, let me run you through how a turn of this game works. I think okay. you'll get a good picture of it. You have a hand of cards that will be either black piece or white piece cards that have a big number at the top and an ability in the middle. Um, on your turn, you will either be playing white or black yep. that given game. So you can only play white cards if you're playing white, only play black cards if you're playing How black. big is your hand? Like, it, it depends, but mostly five cards. You can make it bigger or smaller based on how much mental attrition you've taken <laughs> over the course of several games. The way that it works, so you'll choose one of these cards from your hand. You'll then, if you're the first player, if you're playing white, you choose a white card from your hand, and then you place it in one of these four slots. Four, three, two, or one, right? So let's say I put the four card in the four slot. Um, your opponent then puts a card into that slot. Um, they can choose any card from their hand. They're playing black, they have to play a black card. They put a three down, for example. You're four, they're three, therefore you win the exchange, and you move this little marker four spaces towards you. So now you have the... Because it's the four slot? Because it's the four slot, exactly. Okay. Uh, so now you have four advantage. However, because they lost, your opponent activates the ability on their card. Oh, God. Which will be something like decreasing your mental attrition, or it'll be something like they get to reshuffle some cards, or like maybe they like get to resign the match, and they get to cause you a load of attrition or gain a load right. of Right, so you're attrition. playing a card into a slot, which is basically saying, you know, do you want me to have this slot? Or it's do like you a want, challenge, do you, yeah. want, do you want me to have this ability on my cards? Yes. Do you want me to have the ability... Do you, do you want to have the ability on your cards? Yeah. It's posing a question to your opponent exactly. every single time, yeah. and then they respond to it. Oh, that does sound good. It, I think it's cracking. I think it's really good. And I think the way that... You know, I'm actually... Like, I said initially, I said it might be good, or it is good. And I think, in my head, I'm just You've thinking... You've talked yourself up. Yeah, I've talked You're myself up. You're a, having a gaseous moment where the passion is yeah. bubbling up inside you. Oh, and I'm going to do a big... No. So the, <laughs> the thing is, is that we we played me and my friend Jamie played it kind of like slightly tired in the morning and we sat down and he didn't expect to like it he had the same reaction to you like oh it's a chess game that simulates chess but isn't chess what's the point and then realising what it was my reaction was more nuanced than yes that. oh sure it, it was it was card driven war games mm. suck I, I think that there's a there's 
getting I think this gets to the core of that the goodness in that system. Yeah, actually that yeah. Okay. Say more. Because I think that like the problem with a card driven ward game is it's like you have an already heaving and complicated game in front of you that you then on top of that you layer like card abilities that are gonna confuse you and and you know Yes. And, and a big deck of them as well. There's so much variance and strangeness in there that requires you to know very specific history yeah. to engage with it. The thing about Match of the Century is that the abilities are really straightforward and they tie in thematically to the little tiny little snippet of text that's on the card. And you also have maybe like 15 cards total yeah. for you and 15 cards total for your opponent. It does basically solve all of my problems with it, yeah. There's some lovely rules as well in there where like reshuffling your deck causes you mental fortitude. So you have to, sorry, loses you mental fortitude. So you have to make sure that you're like reshuffling at the right time. That like you don't want to be doing it in the middle of a turn because then it immediately restricts your hand limit, which is like, there's something really lovely about seeing that your opponent is just on the cusp of going from a seven card hand to a four card hand wow. and really putting the pressure on to try and give make them like it's just especially because there's not many cards in their hand they can play because well, exactly, it's, it's either going to be black or white exactly and so there's a real question every turn like you're asking questions to your opponent but also to yourself where you're looking at a hand of cards and being like right I've got like a hand of like really strong black cards, but I'm playing white this turn. Do I basically sacrifice this round to keep a really strong hand? Did you say you play six games? You play, you know, well, you have to win six to win. Oh God. So you could play 11. Potentially. Well, you could, you could play 12. Yeah, no, 11. You could play 11 games, 11 exchanges of four cards. It's longer than you think. This yeah. game. But I think it's I think it's whip smart. I think it's really good. I want to play more of it. That's really um, nice. Yeah, that and Sky Team, both really good, strong two-player games that came out of Essen um, that I'm really keen to play more of. Should we tease the uh, subscriber podcast where you're going to be talking about Essen in more detail? Yeah, so if you are a donor to Shut Up and Sit Down, we've got a load of exclusive chunky bits in the newsletter uh, for you this month. We have a chat with me and Matt talking about our sort of favorite conventions and the atmosphere and the vibes of all the conventions. Because we talked a lot about Essen here, but not much about... You talked about the games we talked you about played the games, at Essen, but not the... The convention itself, mm. which is a whole different box of frogs. And when you say chat, you don't just mean text. You're talking about an audio... Essentially, another bonus podcast. Another extra little podcast. That's right. It's our first donor-only exclusive podcast, which we said we'd do, and then we forgot to do them for like a whole month because we had a load of traveling and other bits on I mean, our brains. You have been flying around the I've world. I've been flying for like two weeks solid. Mm. That's crazy. Um, but we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to have a breakdown of specifically about the World Series of Board Games, which we went to in Vegas. And as a little teaser, you might think that, that event sounds a little strange. Yeah, so to clarify, World Series of Board Games is a mm -hmm. bunch of people going to play a, a lot of the board games you'd see reviewed on Shut Up and Sit Down mm -hmm. competitively. Yes, exactly. For, For a like prize of how many? 20 money? grand or something like how that. How many money? It's a lot of money. 20 grand. And a really and they had um, they had custom rings for all the games. Like if you won Wingspan, you got this massive blingy oh, Wingspan <laughs> like a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. And the winner of the whole thing got like a champion bracelet as well. It was crazy. Um anyway, but we we had preconceptions about that event that I think were shattered by it. So if you want to hear more about that, that's going to be a video and audio treat. And there was one other thing that I can't remember that's in the donor newsletter, okay. but that'll happen when it happens. How nice. How nice for it, you, this listener. Been, this has been, so, uh, yeah, this has just been, what a, what a blast for me to come and sit down in my chair and have you tell me about all kinds of fun games. Yeah, all the games you're missing out on. I think there's I think there's a few of them that you'd be quite keen to play. Like I think genuinely think you'll enjoy Robotrick. I think you'll find Tiger and Dragon pleasing. I think you'll find Sky Team very funny. I think I would enjoy Pray Another Day. Hey, I think can... I would also enjoy Match of the Century. I think I like Coloretto, so I think Criqueta could be really nice. I'll tell you it was a good essence for like pub games, essentially. Um like there's more than is here. Like to give a, a brief uh what I'll do is I'll here's the thing. This is a fraction of the games I played, and I want to tell you about I don't want to tell you about 
any of these really. But I, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of them why, on here. Why is that? But like, okay, there's like, there's like other stuff that I played that people can maybe look forward to more content on. Tangram City. It's a new Ray Rosenberg tile laying Tetris game, but with Tangrams instead. What's a Tangram? I still don't know after playing it. Uh, we played Planta Nubo, which is absurd. It's like the most Eurogame Eurogame I've ever seen. Look up a picture. It's ridiculous. We played Brussels Belle Epoque, which oh, is a Eurogame that I good. really we like. We always, we missed the chance to review Actually, no, I think I did review the Brussels card game. I think you reviewed the card game. Yeah, That's but not I was the full thinking. Euro game. But yeah, very happy to for the, the, the Brussels expanded universe. To yeah. Continuing on. We played Quicksand, which is a game of sand timers where you're sort of like, it feels like you're unlocking a bank vault, but with sand timers, like ticking down, you have to like flip them over to try and like break a code. It's really good. Uh, we played Here Comes the Dog, which is a game that no one liked, but it's a game about feeding dogs or maybe getting eaten by dogs. And also, <laughs> maybe my most hyped game of all of Essen Spiel was a little game called oh my god el grande oh jesus they reprinted el grande they made it look really nice okay i don't have a problem um first off great yes we have been waiting impatiently for the stock availability for mm -hmm. el grande to be better we just never done never received a video review on the site no um because we did a written review mm -hmm. they like that written it review. might be time i think it is but uh i don't have a problem with how the old version of el grande looks i just i'm glad that it's available and it now looks nicer yeah it wasn't a problem that necessarily needed fixing it had that old euro charm i'm just glad that the new version also just looks very good if and no plastic good i think there's a if people would, would like to know why we're excited about a new version of el grande i think i'll say it right now if i was to make a list of the top 20 games of all time i could pretty quickly put el grande it's in really there. good it's very tense i lost by like six points or something i felt deeply ashamed does it have this is the big question does it have all the expansions it has too many expansions mm. i don't know what they are mm, you look sad already well it's got a really good castillo oh <laughs> mm. the stupid sawdust wooden tower yeah exactly okay 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 this has all been all, all been a bit too exciting it's it's, it's, it's kind a of lot. a bummer that your most hyped game from essen was a reprint of oh a game no from i was like... i was being a little bit facetious i think that that's just it's been on my wish list for a long time and i'm glad that it's finally available all right then babe what was your most hyped game of Essen? <laughs> uh i oh, i know hyped. game i enjoyed i'm just the hyped most says boy I think the game that I maybe enjoyed the most was Sky Team. It was on the last night. Me and my friend Jamie had been playing games that whole convention. We were quite tired. And then we played Sky Team. And we, I didn't think it would be that good. I looked at the box. I was like, hmm, two-player co-op about flying a plane, limited communication. Maybe a miss. Maybe not my kind of game. And then I was delighted by it. And I also just think the house rule of what, like, you're not allowed to communicate, but the house rule of whenever you accomplish something good together, you should either high five, <laughs> shake hands, or do the happy salmon gesture from Happy Salmon, where you like smack your arms together. I can't believe you would doubt Scorpion Maske, publishers of, of Stay Crypto. Of Stay Cool. Oh, yeah. Stay I forgot about Stay Cool. I like Stay Cool. I liked it too. It's, it was nice. It's a very good convention game. Yeah, I, I think. I think a lot of yeah, hey, a lot God, of good well, stuff. How long is this podcast? I need to go. It's have, like an hour now. I th I think it's been longer than that. It's been an hour and six minutes, according. Oh, an hour and ten minutes, according to the uh, timer. Okay, I have is to that go. time for you to leave? You're gonna cook. You're good. gonna cook your wife a nice meal. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm gonna do? Uh, cook your girlfriend a nice meal? No, I'm gonna edit the video that we made. <laughs> oh, Zuvardis. That's the one. Stop trying to keep me here for longer. I know. It's not going you about to good work. Games. I'm out of here. Bye.